Hello, Hellcats. Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. Today, Melissa will be telling Jackie about a death that could have been caused by psychosis, but also could have foul play involved. This episode will discuss the mysterious death of 15-year-old Chen Yin Lam in Hong Kong, and whether the government played a role in her passing. Please be aware that this episode will discuss self-harm, suicide, sexual assault, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. Jackie and I are here once again to tell you another little podcast story. And once again, we're going to be talking about some, well, a weird case that we don't know if it was psychosis related or something more sinister. And this case today is just seriously crazy. I don't know how the hell I didn't hear about this because it's not super old. It's recent. And it's just one of those that the internet could fight about this all day. The Reddit thread was like just... Like Elisa Lamb. Very much like Elisa Lamb. The, I was, you know, looking on Reddit and people were just like, no, you're 100% wrong because of this. It was this. Like, people really just truly believe so strongly one way or another in this case. And I will say... From the beginning, this is one that kind of centers around the government and government conspiracy type thing. I know a lot of people love that, but I know some people aren't into that. So I'm just letting you know, it does deal a lot with the government and potentially a cover up of sorts. So I'm going to be telling Jackie today about the mysterious death of Chun Yin Lam, And this is actually in, this all took place in Hong Kong in 2019. Wow, that is really recent. I know. Well, and it centers a lot around the Hong Kong protests. Um, I personally was not that familiar with it. I knew it was going on, but I definitely was not as familiar as I should have been. Um, I think at that time there was a lot going on in the United States with the pandemic and also with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that that just took our attention away from that. So let me just really quickly touch on the Hong Kong protests because that plays into this a lot. You can't talk about this case and Chen's death if you don't talk about the Hong Kong protests. So in 2019, if you don't know, there were protests going on in Hong Kong. It was caused by a lot of different things, like similar to the Black Lives Matter movement where there were one or two events that seemed to spark it, but it was years and years of buildup and you know how those things go. But basically the protests were caused when there were talks of allowing extradition of Hong Kong residents to China. If you guys don't know, for a long time, Hong Kong was separated from China. It was previously a British colony, and Hong Kong had a separate legal system. So they 
had kind of more freedom, more freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. And there were some things that were going on in 2019 that proposed this bill that would allow Hong Kong residents to be extradited back to China for like from crimes and stuff like that. This is really brief. There's a lot more to it. But basically, um, many people living in Hong Kong feared at the time that if this bill was passed, it would impede on their rights. And the extradition bill posed a lot. It caused a lot of tension between Hong Kong and China. So people started protesting this bill that was going to be passed, and the protests turned really violent. There was a lot of extensive force used, a lot of people tear gassed and things like that. There were, unfortunately, even some people who got killed during these riots from being, I believe, pushed and someone fell and hit their head, accidentally cracked their head open and died. Very sad, very tragic, um... Similar, like I said, to the Black Lives Matter movement where tension was really just rising between people who were going to these protests and police who were trying to do crowd control. The riots finally came to an end when the extradition bill was dropped, but the damage had already been done because the police force, they just, people didn't like the way that the police were treating these protesters. So it was like this protest turned into something even bigger now. Now there's police brutality, which is being in question. So that is all the background that was going on in Hong Kong at the time. Now, our case is about, like I said, Chen Yin Lam. She also went by Christy Chen. I think that was, you know, if she was using an English name. Chen was 15 years old, living in Hong Kong at the time, obviously. In her personal life, her parents were separated, and Chan lived with her mother for a bit. At this time in her life, Chan was kind of having some struggles. Um, Her parents had separated. She started to rebel a little bit when she turned 15. She began running away from home. You know how some teenagers do that. It'd be like that sometimes. It really do. And because of this, Chan actually at one point started residing in a girl's home, so also known as a women's shelter. Uh, Friends and family have said that Chan was also an incredibly talented swimmer. Remember that? She had won awards during her time at inter-school competitions, and she received diving coaching. She was on a diving team. In 2019, Chen was attending school while working part-time in the restaurant industry. So Chen was attending the Pak Oi Hospital Tang. Oh my gosh, okay. Chen was going to Memorial College. So she was getting ready to, she was taking some classes at the youth college. She's working part-time, kind of just trying to get herself together as much as she can. Because like I said, she was going through a little troubling time, rebelling a little bit, that type of thing. In 2019, Chen also was briefly involved in the Hong Kong protests and riots. It's debatable the exact role that she played because basically she all she really did was hand out some pamphlets. But at one point, Chan also had actually been tear gassed during one of the riots that was going on. 
She took to social media after being tear gassed to claim that she had just been out shopping and she was an innocent bystander caught up in the protests. And she really was like kind of just feeling bad for herself during on the social media thing. She was saying, you know, like, I'm a normal citizen. I'm an everyday person. Why would this happen to me? Why would something like this happen to me? However, others said that she was handing out pamphlets. It wasn't just she was an innocent passerby or whatever. So either way, whether she was handing out the pamphlets, whether it was just shopping, she did get slightly involved in the Hong Kong protests, and many young people in Hong Kong were doing so. You know how it is when you're young and there's a governmental force trying to tell you how to live your life. That is like the ultimate teen youth protests like fight the power fight the government fight the police how old is she again though 15 oh shit that is pretty young but when you think about it there are 15 year olds i mean it's not young and i mean it's not too young to go to a protest i don't know why i just thought she was older yeah it's not too young to go to a protest it's definitely young when you think about the fact that people are getting tear gassed and shit there yeah So, in August of 2019, this was after, shortly after she posted the videos about what happened to her at the protests. In August of 2019, there was footage taken of Chen in a Hong Kong train station acting very distraught. She was crouched down in the corner of the train station, crying, screaming, yelling very loudly as workers tried to assist her. Apparently, Chen had gotten into a fight with her boyfriend. There's not really a lot of information because she was yelling a little incoherently. But it was said that her boyfriend was in jail, so they got into some sort of fight, and she kind of was just freaking out in the train station. A week or so after that, in August of 2019... That was when Chen was sent to the girl's home, and she lived there up until her death. Apparently, her mother found out that she participated in the Hong Kong riots, and she sent her to live to the girl's home because of that. So, that's how much, like, these riots are playing such a part in these people's lives in Hong Kong and whatnot. While there, Chen continued to have issues at the girl's home, It was claimed that she faced charges of defacing property for ripping up a sheet of paper. I don't know the background on that, but apparently Chen also had charges pending for assaulting a police officer. Apparently she went to the, she went to where her boyfriend was because he was at a correctional institution and I think there was some sort of altercation with her boyfriend and an officer or something like that. And Chan ended up getting involved and tried to or did kick a police officer. So Chan's having a little rough of a time. Not the best summer for her. On September 19th, 2019, that was a month after everything with her crying at the station, her going to the girls' home. So, on September 19th, 2019, Chen Yin Lam hung out with her friends during the day before parting ways with them at the Mei Fu Transit Station. So, in Hong Kong, taking the train and taking transit, I'm sure you guys are familiar that, you know, in Asian cultures, it's a lot more common to take public transportation and take trains and stuff rather than driving all the time. 
and Chen would take the transit very frequently. So she was with friends. They go to the transit station, but she leaves and doesn't go home with them. She texted other friends on her cell phone saying that she was going to go home, but I don't really know. She was, we'll get more into that later. The next day, friends did not hear from Chen to confirm that she had made it home safely. There was no correspondence from Chan at all after September 19th, and texts and calls were going unanswered. Two days after her disappearance, when Chan had still not been seen or heard from, friends starting to put out a missing person ads, and Chan's mother went to the police. Shortly after Chan's disappearance, workers at the transit station discovered Chan's cell phone and some stationary items that belonged to her. There were no signs of distress, like there had been a struggle and someone maybe tried to rob her or grab her bag or anything like that. They were just kind of lying on the ground near an exit. And it was just strange that her cell phone would be, you know, that anyone's cell phone would just be lying on the ground next to a transit exit. What I don't understand is some, it says that her cell phones were locked, but somehow the transit workers were able to contact her family about the phone and someone came and picked it up. I'm not really sure if maybe like, I'm not sure if maybe it was an iPhone and they had a missed call and you could just swipe and it would call them back. Yeah, true. I'm not sure, but either way, the transit workers were able to contact Chan's family and they did come and pick up the phone. There were still no signs of Chan as the next days passed, but on September 22nd, so three days after Chan had last been seen, a fisherman was fishing a small boat off the coast of Devil's Peak He noticed an object floating in the water that had the shape of a human, so he did call the authorities. When police showed up, they did, in fact, confirm that it was the body of a young woman. Um, There was struggle to determine the age and things like that because it was clear she had been in the water for a few days, but on October 9th, police published publicly confirmed to the media that the body found in the sea was in fact Chen Yin Lam. The body was found with no lacerations, no bruising, and there didn't appear to be signs of sexual assault. However, the body was found completely naked. Ew, that is like Elisa Lam. Yeah, very, very strange. It seemed at first to just be a death caused by drowning, whether that was suicidal or accident, that couldn't be confirmed. However, Chen's body was cremated on October 10th, the next day after they confirmed it was her. Why? We'll get into that more in a little bit. There's conflicting reports, but... People obviously think that's just strange. Why would anyone's body be cremated the next day? Just odd. When news of Chen Yin Lam's death was made public, local students and many people living in Hong Kong immediately pointed the finger at government officials. Rumors were spreading really quickly that Chen was a participant in the Hong Kong protests. I mean, she herself posted a video about it on social media when she had gotten tear gassed. Um, 
They also learned that Chan potentially had charges of violence against a police officer. So very quickly, the media just goes into this frenzy where they're believing that the government or the police killed Chan for her participation in the riots. And then they covered it up through a variety of ways to make it look like it was just an accident. So people fully with their whole heart believe that the police and the government together killed Chen and then threw her body in the ocean. Mm. So let's get into that and let's get into why people think that. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is that People learned, students learned very quickly that Chan had gone to her youth college the day that she passed, September 19th. That was actually the last place that people could confirm that they saw her. So, and another thing too about this being very similar to Elisa Lam, there's footage with this case. Creepy footage. Ew. An hour worth of her acting very strangely. So like I mentioned before, on September 19th, Chan had sent messages to some friends letting them know that she was going home. However, she didn't go home. Like I said, she left the transit station and she actually went to the campus of her youth college. Students came forward reporting that Chan had been seen walking around the Hong Kong Design Institute Tia King Lang location where she had been enrolled prior to her death. So with reports of Chen being seen around campus, students at the Youth College and the Hong Kong Design Institute rallied together, demanding that the campus make public any footage captured of Chen during her final moments. Good for them. On October 15th, 2019, after these rallies going on, the campus agreed and they did turn over CCTV footage of Chen from September 19th. However, the footage was edited and trimmed down, which disgruntled students. They were claiming that the full unedited video needed to be made public because they're like, this is kind of broadening our theory of it being a conspiracy that you're giving us the footage, but it's all edited and choppy. Yeah. The students countered back to the campus, giving them a 30-minute deadline to hand over the entire unedited CCTV footage of Chen. Or what were they going to do? Bitch. (laughs) The 30 minutes passed. No extra footage. The students started vandalizing the school. (laughs) Wow. They vandalized cameras. Fire alarms were pulled. You know, they were damaging some of the property. And the Hong Kong Design Institute actually suspended all classes for the next two days because of how intense it was on campus. Not surprised. Probably needed them. During the suspension, over 200 students rallied on campus to support an indefinite boycott of classes if the full footage was not turned over. (laughs) Wow, I'm impressed, but good for them. Like, that's why I had to go into detail about the Hong Kong protests, because this is how much people cared about the government getting involved in the lives of people in Hong Kong. This was more than just... Chan and a 15 year old this was like you know the entire youth yeah it's like the point of the matter exactly so following that mini rally of students the full unedited video footage of Chan was released to the students to the public 
In total, there were 16 different surveillance clips that compiled into about an hour of footage of Chen being on campus. The footage is really strange. Like, the full hour is literally just Chen wandering around campus. I highly recommend that everyone watch it. I'll actually link a video below that talks about this case where I had first seen this, but it shows Chen wandering around just looking very lost. At times, it looks like she's looking for someone or something. Other times, it's her just literally wandering around. At times in the video, she's looking intently at papers that she's carrying. At other times, the papers are gone, like she just discarded them somewhere along the way. On at least three different occasions, Chen pushes the elevator button and stands there, but walks away before the elevator car arrives or opens. Towards the end of the video, Chen continues to walk around campus barefoot. It's so strange. She's not even carrying her shoes. They're just gone. Yeah, that's super not, like, normal behavior. Students are in a cafeteria eating and studying together in groups, and she's still just walking past them without any shoes. She also ditched her bag somewhere. She was carrying a bag with her, uh, and towards the end of the video, the bag is gone, as well as the shoes. She's even seen on the roof area, walking around barefoot, without shoes, just kind of wandering. So there were also students who came forward confirming that they had seen Chen, and they didn't know her, but they just had seen a girl walking barefoot who just looked confused. As soon as the footage was made public to students, and basically everyone in Hong Kong, People started speaking out, saying that they believed the girl in the footage was not actually Chan. What? A lot of people believe that the girl in the footage is an actress hired by the government to help in this murder plot cover-up. Oh my god, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, people point out that the footage of Chan appears slightly different to Chan's facial features, People zoom in into the CCTV footage and say that Chen's eyebrows are, uh, I believe, more broad in, in photographs than they were of this person walking around on CCTV footage. They also claim that her nose is more broad than the girl shown in the CCTV footage. Some say just like her shoulders appear less broad. Just little tiny details that people were pointing out just believing that it wasn't Chen. It didn't look 100% exactly like her. And many people bring up the fact, and we'll, I'll get, we'll get into exact details of this, but many people say that because Chen was found naked, when she first left the transit station, I assume somehow the government or the police got to her first, took off her clothes and gave them to this actress and then the actress went to the school and that's why Chan was found naked and Chan's clothes were never recovered. Okay, that's actually not a bad theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, like, it is fact. Like, Chan's clothes were never found recovered, which is just strange considering her full cell phone and stuff like that could be found. Unless she took them off in the water. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, you would think that they would still be floating. And, like, why would you at that point? Yeah. 
However, when everyone is up in arms basically about this footage, friends of Chan and Chan's own mother came forward confirming that the girl in the CCTV footage was Chan. Chan's grandfather also spoke out publicly, claiming that he had seen Chan on the morning of September 19th wearing the same clothes as the girl in the footage. But of course, people are just going to say that the government took the clothes from Chan and gave them to the actress. But Chan's mother said, no, that's that's my daughter on the footage. Now, before I'm going to get into the like entire court case of this, I do want to say that when Chan's mother came forward saying that the CCTV footage was her daughter, she came, she went on to like a public uh, kind of interview thing. She did an interview on television on October 17th, 2019. And she said that, you know, Chan is the girl in the footage. She understand everyone being worried about her daughter, but even though the circumstances of Chan's death are odd and they're strange and they don't make sense, it was Chan in the footage. And her mother just said that Chan had been acting really strangely leading up to her disappearance. Um, so her mother's name was Ho Pu Yi. Ho claimed that Chan potentially had psychosis and that she would often hallucinate and be unable to sleep. Ho also said that since Chan's passing, she had been consistently harassed at work online and by telephone. She even said that people had like started to search back through her old life and basically try and find anything that they could to bring up about her that would be negative. People were just really going hard harassing her. So on during this interview, Ho begged the harassment to end and for the public to just accept the fact that as horrible as it was and we don't understand it. Chan had taken her own life. The means, I guess, seem really strange, but she fully believed that that was what happened. However, the interview was widely criticized by the public. Many of the public even said that Ho was also an actress and that she's not actually Chan's mother. All right, that's a little, it's getting a little far-fetched now. I know. They point, people pointed to the fact that Ho had short hair in her Facebook photos while the woman on television had long hair and wore a surgical mask to cover up most of her face. And I'm like, it's probably because she's getting freaking harassed and she doesn't yeah, want to be seen. I mean, yeah. A political activist who was friends with Chan's brother came forward claiming that the family all knew about Chan's swimming abilities and she was a great swimmer. So the assumption that she died by suicide via drowning seemed really unlikely to him. And that is true. Yeah, that much I agree with. The speculation regarding Ho and her identity became so popular that the coroner's court inquest for more information on the case required Ho to complete a DNA test to prove that she was in fact Chan's biological mother. Wow. The test was performed in July of 2020, and the results were publicly shared, confirming that Ho was Chan's mother. But that is just how intense people are with this case. They're picking apart every single piece of it and literally saying that the government hired Ho to be an actress 
because she looked like Chen's real mother. It's just crazy. Most of the things talked about are speculation from the public, but there are actual facts regarding the case that just don't make sense. The main thing is Chan's manner of death and her body. So obviously it's just really strange that if this was a suicide, why if you were a trained swimmer and diver would you choose to drown yourself in the sea it just is really strange like but I also feel like if it is true psychosis you're not thinking of that stuff yeah I mean that's basically like people who do think at least a lamb passed from psychosis think that she got in there and then kind of realized what she did and couldn't get out so it could just be like you're doing something you're not even realizing fully what you're doing you're not fully there so Mary, even if she, if, like, if she was going through psychosis, I don't think her being a strong swimmer would keep her alive, as sad as it is. Right. Yeah, and um, I agree with that. But obviously, I feel like psychosis isn't even something that's super well-known or studied, so, like, I don't even know. That's just my thoughts. I agree. In August of 2020, there was a coroner's inquest issued to investigate the cause and circumstances of Chen Yinlam's death. So I, this is like this inquest, I'm pretty sure the best way I can put it is this was really similar to a trial in the United States, like a criminal trial. There's a jury that deliberates and votes and everything like that. Witnesses come forward and give their testimony, but the trial there was a trial, a jury magistrate, they're basically just determining the cause of death. So they were having this trial to determine, was it actually a suicide or an accident? Because if not, then we need to start a criminal trial and look for someone who potentially could have murdered her. So now let's really get into it and break down the day, break down Chan's mental health and everything like that. During the coroner inquest, a social worker named Wang Yin Lai provided a lot of information about Chan's mental state in the months prior to her death. Wang stated that Chan had actually been sent to a hospital in March of 2019 after trying to suffocate herself with a plastic bag. Mm. However, Wang said that she didn't think Chan was actually trying to take her life, but she believed that Chan wanted to be removed from the girl's home she was staying at and kind of just a cry for help so she could be removed from the girl's home because she was having a lot of issues there. However, the doctor who treated Chan during her time at the hospital after that attempt with the plastic bag, that doctor believed she had acute stress disorder and noticed that she had tendencies to harm herself. As 2019 went on, it seemed like Chan's mental health continued to deteriorate. In August of 2019, Chan was sent to the hospital again because she damaged property at the girl's home. During her time there, a psychiatrist spoke with Chan and she told the psychiatrist that there were two voices speaking inside her head and that oftentimes the voices would tell her to harm herself. Mm. It's sad. I know. And she's only 15. Like, yeah. 
She did say, though, that she wasn't suicidal, that the voices didn't say she should kill herself or anything like that, but that's still just very concerning. Later in August of 2019, Chan was discharged from that hospital, and she spoke again with her social worker, Wong. Wong noticed that the hospital had given Chan some medication I believe some sedatives, and that appeared to be helping her. But Wong wasn't sure if, like, she wasn't sure if they actually prescribed Chen with medication or if they just gave her sedatives when she was there to calm her down. So she wasn't sure if she was actually taking medication in the weeks and days leading up to her death. It's believed that she most likely wasn't. An expert witness who testified in the coroner inquest also gave her opinions regarding Chan's behavior. This was a forensic psychiatrist named Robin Ho Mei Yi, and she believed that Chan had seemed to have multiple mental illnesses occurring at once. It was also their opinion that Chan's ongoing behavior in 2019 could potentially be early signs of psychosis Mm. and the psychiatrist the psychiatrist also stated that a psychotic break was also potentially in the works in the weeks leading up to her death based on her behavior and they also stated that chan's father had also suffered from psychosis and had even been hospitalized for months at a time at one point because of this Jeez, it kind of seems like psychosis is a little more of a reasonable answer now. Which, I didn't even know that psychosis, something like that, could be hereditary. Yeah, I didn't either. So, let's give a timeline of September 19th, the last day that Chan was seen alive. Well, confirmed the last day she was alive. A classmate and friend of Chan's also spoke during the coroner's inquest. This student's name was... Chu Quan Yi, and they said that on the morning of September 19th, Chan had come to school and borrowed a friend's purse to use as a pillow to sleep on the floor. She then texted Chu saying, it's so scary. I spent the whole night awake and packing stuff. Crazy. That's weird. And Chan's grandmother testified that Chan had been up all night the night before and didn't sleep, just packing packing things, but she didn't say why. Chen also continued to clear out her locker that day at school and said that she would go, she wanted to leave, but she would come back to campus later, but she wasn't saying why. When Chu and Chen left school that day, they went to the train station, but Chan refused to sit in a seat on the train and instead sat on the floor. Yeah, that's really strange. Yeah. When the two went to change trains at the next station, like they usually would to go home, Chan said that she was not going home and she wasn't getting on the train. This next part is so weird. Later that night at 5 p.m., Chan texted Chu saying, that's very bad of you guys. But there was no context behind it. That was just the message. That's very bad of you guys. Yeah, I think we're moving more towards psychosis is the reason. I believe, mysteriously, that was the last text that Chan ever sent. 
That's so strange. I know. I just want to know everything. At 5.40 p.m., Chan was seen returning to the same train station she had previously visited with Chu. She went there. She left some of her personal items on the ground. Like I said, one being the cell phone that was used to call her mother. She then went to the Hong Kong Design Institute, like we talked about. That was when she walked around from 5.50 until 7 p.m. aimlessly. Chan then walked back to the train station again this time barefoot, arriving at 7.20 p.m., but she left the station again shortly after without getting on any transportation. And that was the last time that Chan was seen on any CCTV footage that day. There was a taxi driver who told police that he had given Chan a ride to a construction site that was near the waterfront. Like, how fucking sketchy is that? Yeah, and... I mean, I guess it's not the taxi job. It's not his job to say, why are you going here? Yeah, it's just like... But it's odd. At night, you're taking a 15-year-old girl who's barefoot to an abandoned construction site next to the water. But the police could not find footage of Chan in that area. They didn't say that there was CCTV footage around the construction site, but they didn't pick Chan up on it. So they couldn't confirm if the taxi, they didn't have him in the inquest because they couldn't confirm 100% was it Chan because they didn't have footage. Which I'm like, okay, could we investigate the taxi driver then? Yeah, and also, I mean, how many barefoot 15-year-olds I think should be memorable? (laughs) Right. I just, I'm like, can we investigate the taxi driver if that was the last person who saw her? Maybe he's lying. I don't know. I don't know anything in this case. Now, let's get into Chan's body because this is where in, this is the last thing we'll talk about because this is when in the coroner's inquest, when they really got into like the professional opinions and not just speculation. Like here are the facts and here is what's strange and what isn't. There was a debate regarding Chan's body literally since the day it was found. A police constable who was one of the first on the scene claimed that his supervisor initially ruled the death as suspicious due to it being fully naked. However, that supervisor took the stand and denied those claims, saying that he could not rule anything as suspicious because the body didn't have any marks or bruising on it. Which I'm like, Okay, it could still be like they could have still died another way. Why do you need to be all bruised up? Yeah, if she was drowned, but it's just like it does defeat like with a taxi driver. I would think that you would grab somebody, you know, like they would have marks on them. So, what do you mean? Like maybe the taxi driver strangled her, or if anybody like hurt her and then put her in the water, you would think, yeah, that she would have marks on her. But well, it doesn't mean it's not suspicious. If you strangled someone by hand, do you think you'd have marks though? If you were in the water for three days before you'd be found, yeah, true. And your hyoid bone would be broken because the marks stay when you die. They don't stay like. You know, marks go away on our bodies because our cells fix them. When you die, the marks stay because your body doesn't fix them anymore. Oh, you're so smart, Jackie. No, 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 no. That's like the most basic (laughs) thing. But that's just what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, if she would have marks from the time of her death, they'd still be there. I don't know. True. I don't know how the water affects that, though. 
Yeah, that's, and that is a lot that goes into this case because the police supervisor then said that he believed that the clothes were swept away by the ocean and that he didn't think it's suspicious. I mean, could be, but it, I don't know. We'll get into that girl because there were two forensics pathologists who performed an autopsy on Chan. Both pathologists confirmed that drowning was certainly a possibility since Chan did not have any external injuries and they believed that she had gone into the water on the night of September 19th and stayed there until the 22nd. The skin had been bleached. There were other factors, you know, when bodies are in the water for days that they could confirm were present. The body was very well intact, so it didn't appear that she was assaulted or injured prior to going in the water. And there weren't any defensive wounds and there were no drugs in her system. A test for alcohol couldn't be conducted due to time passed, but, like, no one said at all during that day that Chan had been drinking or anything, so it seemed that drugs or alcohol weren't a factor. There were also other experts, such as chemists and lab techs, who investigated Chan's death. They all claimed that there were no DNA found on her body, there wasn't DNA found in her vaginal area or under her fingerprints, as well as no fabric or threads to indicate a dispute prior. One of the experts did mention that debris under the fingernails could have been washed away, though, due to the time in the water. All experts concluded that due to decomposition and the time in the water, a definitive answer could not be found. Even if it's super obvious that she had drowned, they just couldn't say for sure because of how long her body had decomposed in the water. But there was an expert witness who was called who disagreed with the previous testimonies and who thought that the case could potentially be murder. This medical expert and forensic pathologist was Philip B. Swan Leap. They gave their professional opinion that the clothes would not have washed away naturally, even if they were in the sea for a few days. This forensic pathologist said that loose clothing, like your t-shirt and sweatpants or things like that, because Chan's pants did appear to be fabric, they weren't tight jeans, and the top was loose-fitting, those types of things would probably wash off you in the water. But this pathologist, Philip, believed that the amount... They said, though, that underwear in tight-fitting clothes underwear or a bra could not just be washed off in the water such as pants and that even if someone commits suicide typically they're found with their tight fitting undergarments still on so he believed that that was strange he didn't think that she would be totally naked after three days in the water philip also believed that the amount of water found in chan's lungs during the autopsy was unusually low compared to other drowning victims he said that or i'm sorry the other forensic pathologists responded to philip's belief during the trial saying that they couldn't explain why the levels of liquid are what they are but potentially it could be caused by one side of the body decomposing at a faster rate than the other Hmm. So they didn't have an explanation. They could just speculate, but they did agree with Philip that, yeah, the water levels did appear strange. 
I believe specifically one of her lungs had a lot less than a lot less liquid than the other. So they couldn't really conclude why that would be. Philip also said that the DNA evidence of a sexual assault could have also been washed away in the water since they could not confirm she was sexually assaulted. So he said maybe she could have been, but that also could be washed away if she didn't have underwear and was exposed in the water for three days. He specifically criticized that the pathologist investigation should have performed a diatome test to conclude that she had drowned. I wasn't that familiar with diatome testing, so I read an article from the International Journal of Medical Toxology and Forensic Medicine. Put me on the stand. I'm an expert. What's your testimony? Well, the article (laughs) said that... I first was like, what even is this? So I read an article, The Role of Diatoms in Diagnosis of Death Due to Drowning, Case Study. They didn't give full names of the authors, so sorry, but I'm just going to read a full quote because that's the best way I can describe this. Quote, The most frequent use of diatoms in forensic science is the diagnosis of death due to drowning. The basic principle of diatome test and drowning is based on the inference that diatomes are present in medium where drowning took place. In the inhaled water enters the alveolar spaces of lungs and penetrates from the alveoli, I'm so sorry, under the blood circulation. Thus, microscopic unicellular algae con- called diatomes gets transported to different organs of the body. The diatoms found inside the body of a drowned victim may serve as corroborative or even conclusive evidence to support the diagnosis of death. It can be ascertained whether the drowning is anti-mortem or post-mortem, end quote. So basically the medical examiner is saying like, if she drowned, why wouldn't you perform this test? Because it would show if there are molecular, it would show on a molecular level if she had drowned, because there would be the presence of these diatoms in her lungs and in her body, but they didn't do a test at all. That's weird. So we don't know. Philip also pointed out that the cremation the day after Chan's confirmed to be Chan was really suspicious. He stated that the police should release further evidence and further information regarding the autopsy and the cremation and even hinted at potential police misconduct in this case. Mm, That fits with what people thought from the start, though. I know. The police responded, though, saying that the coroner granted a cremation order, which permitted them to do so on October 10th. I'm not sure if that means that the coroner specifically told them to cremate the body, or if they were just allowed to do so as soon as the autopsy was complete, and so they just did it. They didn't, they're not saying specifically, but either way, Philip, the uh, pathologist was like, that's just strange that they did that. He basically was saying all of this is just too strange together for us to say. So Jackie, what do you think? What do you think the verdict was at the end of this? If you were on the jury, what would your decision be? I would just have to say psychosis based on what the mom said. I really think that, like, family members, you know your family the best. And I just, 
feel like even before the Hong Kong stuff. And a full social worker. T- like Yeah, like, I think, I honestly think that the psychosis stuff played a role in how she reacted to the Hong Kong stuff. Like, I think that her psychosis could have genuinely made her feel like she was the victim and, like, she didn't do anything to mm-hmm. be tear gassed. And I but wonder... it's just, like, she... I'm sorry. She's 15. Like, she's not, like, the leader of the protests. Right. Why would they really want to kill her? Like, what? It's just... I totally see why they would. And I get it both sides. It's just, like, there's not enough for me to think that the government had a role in it. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, I mean, in the same vein, you could say, well, obviously, if they had a role, they would cover up anything they they did. Exactly. And it's like, you know, if the government is going this far, who's to say they're not just paying off a social worker and someone to go on the stand and say this? For sure. But it's just my only hesitation is all of that for one teen girl. Handing out pamphlets. Yeah. Yeah. Unless she did something else that we don't know about and they're not even releasing that. I don't know. Well, at the end of the trial, the magistrate, who I think would be like the judge, ruled that neither suicide or homicide could be confirmed because there's just not enough evidence either way. There wasn't a psychiatrist at the time prior to her death saying she had psychosis. So you can't confirm because even though the social worker is saying that, There were psychologists who believed she could potentially have mental issues, but no one tested for them and no one specifically diagnosed her with anything. So he's basically saying, we can't conclude, we can't just assume she had psychosis and we can't just assume it was a suicide, but we also can't just assume it was a homicide either. There's just not enough evidence either way. I think that's a pretty good ruling. I think so, too. The jury was unable to conclude if Chan suffered from psychosis prior to her death, which could have contributed. They did recommend, and I think this is really important, they did recommend that the hospitals update their practices to follow up on teenage patients with a history of mental illness once they leave. Like, they basically were saying, you know, we can't say one way or another, but if we're going to add anything into this case... Hospitals need to follow up with younger teens when they leave. If you have a patient who's been there multiple times for mental-related illnesses and she's staying at a girl's home, you need to follow up. There needs to be someone doing more. Like, who is going to help the at-risk youth who can't help themselves? Yeah, that's a really good point. So, unfortunately, that is where things ended. Following the verdict, the Hong Kong Police Department did make a public statement saying that they will continue investigating the case and urged anyone with knowledge to come forward. The police stated also that they would keep Chan's belongings, such as the locked cell phone and things like that, in evidence if someone did come forward. They would keep her belongings also, you know, if there was ever a time they could test for DNA or anything like that. But unfortunately, that is where things ended. Um, 
no one can say for sure. I, like Jackie said, I personally do think that just my opinion that it was a psychosis related type of issue. People on Reddit with their whole ass heart believe it was a government setup. People like people were literally in the comments like she looked at the CCTV footage seven times. Who would do that? That's so like suspicious. And someone commented back. I look at CCTV footage without even realizing if there's a camera in the corner, you can just automatically look up like you people are. Yeah, that's just like two conspiracy theory. People just believe there were people who were even saying the police raped her and gave her clothing to the actress then threw her in the sea. Like, where is there any yeah, evidence to that? Yeah, how would anybody know that? And all, there are many, like, it's just so much. I just, like what we've said before, I just think the Hong Kong riots really just riled everyone up for it to be the people versus the government, the people versus authority, especially the youth. So I don't know, but it's sad because I feel like that it's sad for Chan's family trying to heal and just all this harassment of her mother, all this speculation. Then on top of that, you know, people are like, she was just crazy. It was psychosis. She could have gotten help and she didn't, you know, things like that. It's just sad. Like this is a 15 year old girl who just needed help at the end of the day, no matter what caused her death at the end of the day. Chen needed help from someone. Yeah, I agree. It's really sad that it just seems like there were a lot of signs before her death that maybe some more help could have been offered and it just wasn't. But I am glad that they did that with the youth in the hospitals. I do think that that's important and will help in the future. Yeah, I'm not sure if policies actually changed, but I do hope that they do. And yeah, let me know if you guys have heard this story before. I had never heard of this. The footage is so strange. I'll link it below. You guys can definitely look. I've never seen the footage either. So let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you think it was psychosis, if you think fully it was a setup and an actress, all of that. Yeah, let us know what you guys think of the CCTV footage. And don't turn our comments into like a Reddit thread, but totally let us know what you guys think about this case. Yeah, just keep it respectful. This is still a 15-year-old girl in a family who was harassed. So friends who obviously were with her the last day and now have to go on with their own questions. So just always be polite and respectful because imagine how you'd feel if you actually knew this person. On top of everything going on in Hong Kong. Like, yeah. just a storm of things. But, yeah, let us know um, what you think about this case. And we will see you guys next time for another episode. Thank you guys for listening. And we hope you guys are having an amazing and safe summer. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast. Or send us an email at you, that's creepypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.